the podcast Cook, Eat, Nourish with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. In today's episode five, I'll be talking with Blanca Valencia, a Spanish food expert and olive oil sommelier. Have a listen as we chat all things Spanish food and olive oil. And don't forget to listen to the end for her three tips we can all implement now. Morning, Blanca. Thanks a million for joining me. Thanks, Fiona, for having me. I'm very happy to be here today. Great. Would you mind introducing yourself to my audience? Hi, I'm Blanca Valencia. I'm a Spanish food teacher and Spanish food expert. I used to work in IT and many years ago decided to go to Cordon Bleu and I've lived in Chicago, London, China and now I live in Dublin where I teach classes and I do food tastings and tours. Fantastic, it sounds so interesting. Um, Would you mind telling me a little bit about the Spanish food and, and what it means to you? Spanish food is really interesting to me because I think it's very, very healthy and it's very simple. It's it's kind of what we call clean now. We don't use a lot of extra ingredients and that's why Spanish food requires very high quality ingredients. So whether it's your chickpeas, your chorizo, your fish, you really need to go for quality. And so say on chickpeas, would you recommend that you would buy them and cook them yourself or can people go for quick tinned ones and do you find that the varieties or the the different brands, it would vary in quality there? I buy most of my chickpeas uh, from an organic shop, okay. so and I cook them from scratch. And what I mean from scratch, I use a pressure cooker. I don't do pre-soaking. I just cook them in 20 minutes and then just use them throughout the week. Okay, so if I had a bag of dried chickpeas, you don't soak them, you put them in your pressure cooker. Do you cover them in water or do you just put in like one cup at the bottom of the pressure cooker or? I cover them in water and I put always a little bit of bay leaf. Okay. That's very Spanish, very Italian, and it, it helps with digestion of the of the chickpeas. Great. Okay, and then you would, for people who have say the, the electric pressure cookers, you would put it on high for 20 minutes? Yeah. And then do you release it straight away so they don't go mushy? Yeah, I release it straight away and then if it needs additional cooking, I'll cook them a little bit longer. Okay, fantastic. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the cookery school experience? Um, I'm quite interested to see how it differs in different countries and, you know, things like that. I've always loved cooking schools, um, especially amateur ones. Um, And my experience has been starting in Madrid with Alambique, which is a very gastronomic, very cultured um, cooking school. But I've also taught in schools in Chicago, where it was more about the techniques. I think cooking schools are just so such a wonderful environment, and there's so many passionate teachers out there that really know their recipes and what they're trying to teach to you. So what I've learned basically in Spain is that culture is very important and probably in America I've learned that techniques are very important, you know, so okay. it's a combination of both. And uh, what would be your favorite techniques to... Uh... Knives, knife skills. Okay. I think that most of us, uh, when we come into the food world, I think that's where our technique is kind of lacking. And I think knife skills are a great class, learning about knives, doing chopping, and I don't know, I recently did a class with somebody who knew a lot about knives, and it was fascinating, the world of knives. Okay, fantastic. And if somebody was looking for um, a cookery school, they wanted to go maybe improve their skills or, you know, gain some more inspiration, etc., what advice would you give them to find the, the best school for them? 
I think uh, when you're choosing a school and an instructor, I think the main thing that I always recommend is that the instructor has developed the recipes. It's, um, you can tell straight away when an instructor hasn't developed the recipes. Mm. And if you're doing it, you know, professionally, like you're going to Cordon or Balumelu, I think it's different. But if you're doing it as an amateur uh, in your spare time, do find someone who's passionate. I've had teachers before I went to Cordon Bleu that really opened my eyes to so many different techniques and, and food ingredients. So that's the main thing I would recommend, that the teacher has developed the recipes. Okay, and you run some cookery classes yourself. Yeah. What yeah. type of cookery classes do you run? I do mainly Spanish, but I also do a little bit of Chinese because I lived in China. And I love Latin America, like Mexico, Peru. So I do a mixture of, of different classes. And I'm starting to do more olive oil related classes. Okay. And um, there was a dish that you mentioned to me before, a classic Spanish dish that I I, um, I, did, I wasn't familiar with. Can you remember? Uh, Magdalenas. Yeah. What are they? That's, uh, that's basically the traditional breakfast, uh, like a muffin that we have in Spain. Okay. That's made with extra virgin olive oil. And okay. it's really, really, the, the texture that oil gives to baked goods is just very moist. So it's a delicious breakfast item that's... You know, relatively healthy for chi for children and for the family. And what else goes into it then? It's not it's, it's normally sugar, eggs, uh, olive oil, and sugar. Okay. So it's very flour. simple. It's, it's just flour. And, flour, flour. Yeah. Yeah. and then the the big difference in baking is that in Spain we use extra virgin olive oil. Okay. So that was one of the things I know we're going to talk about it. So so let's talk about it now. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the extra virgin olive oil compared to the olive oil and what we should use for cooking different things? The, the big difference between extra virgin olive oil and olive oil is that extra virgin is a natural product. So a producer that I really like made the comparison that extra virgin olive oil is orange juice and olive oil is like orange Fanta. It's a refined product. So I don't buy olive oil. I always buy extra virgin olive oil. But I have two types of extra virgin olive oil. The early harvest, which is more expensive and has less yield that I use for garnishing. And then I have the common extra virgin that is a late harvest that I use for cooking, for frying. And you know, I tend to reuse that, that olive oil if I'm frying. Okay, and how many times would you use it if you're frying? Probably two or three times. Okay, and so say for, um, consumers out there sometimes I find the extra virgin olive oil can be really expensive mm -hmm. so what should they look out for on the labeling or is there any um, lower priced olive oil that extra virgin oil that they could use so I always go for glass glass bottle glass okay. bottle and then for the cooking extra virgin olive oil I think it doesn't really matter as much you want you could buy something that's you know Spanish or Italian or Greek. I don't like the ones that are mixed from all over the EU. I prefer. Okay. But also you can be, um, you, when you go shopping, look for things that have the EU symbol, for example, denomination of origin. Okay. Uh, or look for some type of quality recognition beyond just extra virgin. And okay. you can find some good deals. But when you're cooking with, um, with, when you're frying with olive oil, you know, especially if you're making a potato omelette like tortilla, you can reuse the oil, so it's not as expensive as people think. We don't throw the oil away. We filter it and we reuse it. But if you're talking about garnishing, you only need a really small amount to get all the benefits of olive oil, the flavor and also the antioxidants 
So you don't have to use an enormous amount of, of olive oil. Okay, and so when um, I had trained either in my degree or in the cookery school, I was told about the, the smoke point of the extra virgin olive oil. So I would then pass that on in, in my cookery demos that uh, I tend to use the extra virgin olive oil when I'm doing a salad and then I would use uh, what you, the refined olive oil when I'm cooking. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the background of that and, and your, because I understand you're studying for a qualification in, in olive oil? Yeah, right? um, I'm doing um, the levels, the higher levels of olive oil sommelier in Madrid, finishing them up in next month. Yeah. Um, and basically what happens with what happened with olive oil was that when it got a lot of competition from refined seed olive oils, they published uh, a list of the smoke points and olive oil had a lower smoke point but what people didn't take into account and this was obviously done on purpose was that no one is cooking at 220 degrees so the 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 smoke point of olive oil is around 220 but people are cooking at a much lower temperature around 180 so it's basically doesn't make that chart was interpreted wrong but if you look at any country in the Mediterranean basin, we all cook with extra virgin olive oil and we've been doing it for millennia. So I think this is a perception that happens in Northern Europe about okay. olive oil, but you know, everyone in Spain, you know, Italy would cook with olive oil, with extra virgin olive oil. They would fry their fish in extra virgin olive oil, but they wouldn't use this very high quality olive oil. Okay, okay. So. How many bottles of olive oil would you have in your kitchen? Just four or five. But I work with a lot of producers and the commercial okay. office. But I would recommend that you have at least two. So you have the late harvest and the early harvest. And another very important thing about olive oil is that the new season is now. So now, from now on, is a really good time to buy olive oil. So from November onwards is, yeah. the, is the good time. Okay, great. Fascinating. Um, can you maybe give three tips that my audience could use at the moment from your experience to, um, to, to live a healthier lifestyle and, and cook from scratch? One thing is cook pulses every week. So choose okay. a pulse like chickpeas, beans, and develop recipes. Have it in your fridge or your freezer and develop recipes around that. Another thing that I like that I'm doing recently is get an organic box and learn how to deal with vegetables that you might not normally cook with. Okay. So that would be really nice. And then another thing that I also do is I try to cut the time of cooking rather than make it longer, I make it shorter. So I would say get a pressure cooker, get an instant pot, uh, you know, learn as much as possible because why are we cooking longer times and losing nutritional value when we can cook quicker, it's better for the environment, it's better for the nutrition value. So those would be my three tips. Okay, so we'll go into those a little bit. Let's go into the first one with the pulses. What type of dishes, you you are, uh, live at home, with, you've got two young children, what type of dishes do you do with the lentils? So the top dish in my house would be lentils with chorizo. So I add okay. carrot, um, celery and potato and then chorizo and that's always a winner it's like a stew of lentils it's called estofado what type of lentils do you use uh these ones are green lentils okay so do like you pre-soak them no okay so you use the green lentils dried you don't soak them i'm guessing you do it in your instant pot or pressure cooker these ones i do normally either in a thermomix or in a normal pot 
Okay. Yeah. You um, don't need a pressure cooker. Okay. And then, um, and you would put chorizo in there. So I can't pronounce it as well as you do. <laughs> um, where do you buy that chorizo or what, what do you look out for there? It needs to be cooking chorizo. So Dunn's has some, a lot of the gourmet stores like Found and Burn or Roberts or Docky have them, but it needs to be a raw chorizo. Okay. Not a, not an eating one. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So that sounds nice. Um, the other, the second thing you mentioned was about shortening the cooking time. So I suppose there's some things that, um, you know, like the beef cheeks and things that they need the long, slow cooking or your, mm -hmm. your bone broth or your stock. But one of the things people always come to me is that they just don't have enough time. Um, so for those who don't know, an instant pot is an electric pressure cooker. It's got lots of preset buttons on it. Um, and it just takes the, the worry, I suppose, when I was a child, we used to use a pressure cooker with all the weights on it and, you know, the steam and people are a little bit cautious. So something like the Instant Pot or another electric pressure cooker can, can work really well. What are your, your top dishes in that? So um, probably I love poaching a chicken and then serving it like a Vietnamese style with okay. uh, carrots cut into ribbons and you kind of dip it into uh, a soy sauce or a ketchup mayonnaise. So that would be something that if I'm in a rush, but I want something with a lot of protein, I would make something like that and maybe rice on the side. I also make risotto in the Instant Pot or the pressure cooker. I think the texture that it gets is acceptable. It's nice, you know. So there's no stirring involved no, in the traditional. No, there's no stirring, yeah. You can make it and then just walk a little bit away and then come back and serve it. So and how long would the risotto generally take? Normally it takes from the from the point that it comes up, um, that it comes to pressure. pressure, I would say like 12 minutes, okay. something approximate like that. And would you release it again? Because this is one of the things that people often ask with the electric pressure cookers, because in my, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that if it's something that's likely to go mushy, you release the pressure by, by moving the little switch and mm. the pressure comes off. But if it's something that you're, um, you know, kind of a slower cooking, like an Irish stew or something like that, you would let it come to back to pressure mm. a bit more gradually. Is, yeah. is that right? If you're making, you know, like a tagine in a, in a pressure cooker, then you would just Leave let it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But with the risotto, do you? You have to take it off. You have to. Yeah. Okay. Quickly, yeah. Okay. So we've had cooking more with our um, lentils and pulses. Maybe could you give me a dish with beans that you would do that's popular with the family? In Spain, one of the dishes that I love, because I love clams, and Ireland has such wonderful clams. I know they're a little bit expensive, but I love, you know, the big butter bean clams. Yep. Sorry, butter bean beans, beans? with yes. clams. Okay. So I would cook... I would cook them in the pressure cooker and then take it off the, the pressure or leave them. You can leave them a little bit and then add the clams. And that combination in Spain is very, very typical, pulses with seafood. So that's okay. something that I really like and it's a little bit more grown up and you can add some lovely like rosemary, but it's very simple the, to make the, the butter beans. So would you soak the butter beans? No, I never, no. like, I never soak. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a there's rules, never soak, yeah. Okay. So we've got our, our butter beans. Would, how do you, do you put onions and garlic yeah, and things uh, like that? Onion and garlic, like a mirepoix, like carrot, uh, celery, and onion. Like okay. a, a, what we call in Spain sofrito, you make a little sofrito, you put garlic, then you put the butter beans. Stock, like a nice yeah. vegetable stock, you could even use a fish stock, and then cook that. 
And then the clams obviously cook. Just in the heat of it anyway. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna give that one a go. And going back to the chicken that you mentioned, so uh, you put the whole chicken in mm -hmm. your pressure, you put about a cup of water or are you covering it in water? Like half. Okay, half full of the water and then you've got your flavouring veg and, and herb in that as well. Yeah. You've got your carrot, your onions, garlic. Ginger because it's a Vietnamese Meat. style, yeah. So a little bit of ginger, a little bit of garlic. You could put different spices if you want to, like coriander or star anise. Star anise, yeah. I was going to say. And then I just have that chicken cooked. And then I just shred it and I serve it on a platter with the cucumber, maybe some tomatoes and the ketchup manis, which is a little bit, it's like a sweet soy sauce. So you kind of dip it and you can roll the chicken in um, lettuce leaves. Like, okay. It's just like a very quick meal that you can get. Because I was thinking Vietnamese pho that it was going to be in, no, no, no. in the broth. No, it's kind of like a, just the chicken and then with the cucumber, if you want to make it more, you know, attractive, you peel it. Okay, so it's more like the rice paper rolls. Yeah. I. Oh, you could use yeah. rice paper rolls, but I do find that, you know, if you buy a lovely like free range chicken or corn fed chicken and you poach it. Yeah. It's just a lovely flavor. And then, you know, the stock, you can use it use for something it. else or drink it. But it's a nice way to cook chicken. And you serve it kind of a, you know, as you warm. Okay. And it's, you pair it with these lovely, like, fresh vegetables. Okay, fantastic. You also mentioned the uh, organic box. So that, that is one of the challenges, I think, at this time of year, where it's a lot of the uh, root vegetables and trying to make it different or exciting. Can you tell me one that you've, you've found recently, the dish that you've done, or? I think the, the cabbage is the one that every week I look at it and I think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this cabbage? So the basic way that I'm cooking it now is with a little bit of olive oil or with a little bit of butter and just, you know, sauteing it yep. and steaming it. And then I'm adding different things to it, to it. So I make it maybe a little bit more Mexican. I put some ancho chili or I make it a little bit more... Um, coriander seed or and the other day I had some chestnuts I love chestnuts okay. and I put a little bit of chestnuts but what is funny about the cabbage is that it reduces so much in quantity it looks really imposing when you get the cabbage but then once you cook it you know my family ate the whole thing okay but I let it just it's still a little bit these are savoy cabbages yeah. I leave it a little bit crispy yeah. but now I'm not as intimidated but I have to say the first weeks I didn't really know what to do with the house and I guess you don't do that in the pressure cooker because it's going to, or do I, you? I find vegetables in the pressure cooker, you have to be so precise mm -hmm. that sometimes they overcook. So I tend not to cook a lot of vegetables in the pressure cooker, except, you know, I steam maybe potatoes. Yes, because I saw the other day, somebody saying with the pressure cooker, the broccoli takes zero minutes. So once it gets to pressure, that, that's it, it's done. Okay, so we had the lentils and the beans and we had the slower cooking time. What was the third one you had? Was it the olive oil? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so we're including the, the olive oil. Okay, great. I think that's fantastic mm -hmm. tips. Thank you very much. Um, what's next for Blanca? What have you got planned? Well, I love experiences, and this is one thing about the cooking schools. Like, what cooking schools offer an experience that you go and it's a memorable experience, either because the place was amazing or the teacher really gave you amazing tips or knowledge. So I, lo I love doing food events, so I'm um, working on doing a food club 
where you join and you have access to all these different events that could either be meeting an artist and producer or going to a restaurant or meeting you know a chef uh, but also you have the opportunity to meet like-minded people because you know you could go to a lovely event uh, or to a restaurant but you're not going to meet anybody that is maybe similar to you so it gives you the opportunity to meet other people who love food and wine and food culture and also the ability to meet all these amazing producers or foragers. Ireland has so many different people working in the food industry. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not that easy to organize an event because you might not have friends that want to join you in a foraging or mushroom hunt. So if you join this club, you would have the access to this or the access to meet a fabulous uh, wine importer or a food importer because you would have a critical mass to do the event. So that's what I'm working on, and I'm looking for like different partners to do it with. But Great. I will continue with the Spanish, you know, olive oil and you know the promotion of Spanish food and, and, and different things like that. Great, because where where we first met was at the Irish Times Club, and since then I've had the kids all making tortillas, and I'm learning all about uh, the olive oils. And you came to one of my fermentation demos. Yeah, it was so fabulous. Yeah. So yeah, it's been great. <laughs> Um, so my next question I have for everyone is what would you choose as your last meal? I think my last meal would have to be uh, a traditional Valencian paella. Okay. So a Valencian paella would have a mixture of chicken, rabbit, snails, mm -hmm. kind of green beans and it's something very traditional and I would finish it off with a lemon uh, granita which is really popular in Spain to kind of counteract you know, the heaviness a little bit from okay. the olive oil and the chicken, but that would be my dream dish. It would have to be cooked very, very well in very thin layer of rice. Wow. And would you have anything to drink with that? Maybe a little bit of wine or beer. Like okay. A light lager, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Sounds lovely. Um, now, would you mind telling my audience where they can actually get in touch with you if they'd like to know about more about yeah. you and Spanish um, cooking? If you, I have a website. It's uh, www.blancavalencia.com and that's Blanca, B-L-A-N-C-A, Valencia, V-A-L-E-N-C-I-A. Great, fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Fiona, for having me. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode of Cook, Eat, Nourish. I'd be really grateful if you could rate and review this episode to help me spread the word. For more information, pop over to my website, fionasfoodforlife.ie, where you'll find lots of recipes, tips, videos and blogs. Thanks a million. See you soon. <laughs>